Welcome back to the Multipod. This is episode 49, and my name is Ted. You can call me Fly Ted if you like, and I am your host today. It's a pleasure to be with you again, and thanks as always to everybody for listening and tuning in. Our guest today is Matt Godfrey, joining us from Australia. Matt is a fairly new member of the Potty Tribe just for the past few months, and we met only two or three weeks or so ago. We uh, were both participating in the most recent Community Builders huddle just before Christmas. And then we stuck around a bit afterwards and chatting about some common interests and projects, ideas, things like that. We got chatting about parenting because we both have kids. We both have two kids, in fact, and they're both fairly young, around the same age. So we had that in common, of course, as well. And the more we got into it, we thought, well, this would be an interesting dedicated episode on the Multipod here to talk about parenting. We have done that before on the show. We had an episode about parenting uh, quite a few months ago. But, you know, it's one of those things you can always come back to it from different angles and talk uh, to people and get their perspective. So that's what the following conversation is focused on. Of course, you'll get to learn a bit about Matt and his background growing up. He has some uh, fascinating stories for you about some of his own childhood and his take on parenting as a multipotentialite. And, you know, whether we can identify in our kids, whether they are multipotentialites, even at a young age. It's interesting to think about some of the characteristics that start to pop out, even with young children. Now, as we recorded this, it was early 2020. And of course, if you have been following the news, it's been going around the world. There are the massive bushfires in Australia. So I certainly had to ask him about that as well. And if he has been uh, impacted himself or certainly people that he, he knows. So stick around to the end of the conversation and you'll get some of the perspective on what it's like in Australia as we spoke. If you're listening to this in the future, well, you'll know more than we do because uh, we were basically talking about it live as it's happening over there right now. But we covered a lot, as you'll hear. So we uh, hope that you'll enjoy this conversation between myself and Matt Godfrey. All right, so it's my pleasure to be joined today by uh, my new friend, Matt Godfrey, who's coming to us live from Sydney in Australia. Matt, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing really well. It's really nice to, to do this, Ted. And um, yeah, I'm going, I'm going well. Have you ever been? Oh, yeah, no, you have. You've been on podcasts before because you've had your own podcast. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. I made a podcast uh, it was about a year ago now and did a few episodes. It was um, a podcast for for dads, particularly dads with young kids who'd gone through a separation and divorce. So just sharing a bit of my experience and things like that. Mm. So, but I haven't done I haven't done interviews yet. So it's actually good to be on here and you know watch you in action as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> like when you were doing your show, you were just but you you just you by yourself um, talking about a certain topic. Yeah, it was just me by myself. Yep. How long did you keep it going and do you have an interest? Do you think you'll bring it back or do a different podcast in the future? Yeah, I, I really enjoy it. I really enjoy doing audio. I do intend to keep that podcast going and I'm, I'm kind of uh, working on a few things around that same topic at the moment. I'm not sure about other podcasts, but I do enjoy doing the audio. I, yeah, it's a great format. It is, yeah. It's lots of fun. Uh, it's different from the other mediums, so YouTube or blogging and things like that. It's it's such a more kind of in depth and, and intimate 
experience to really get into talking about interesting topics and conversations. And, and that's our plan today. Matt and I have got lots in common, but we thought we'd chat about uh, parenting because we can certainly both relate to it. Matt has two kids and so do I. His are a little bit older than mine. He'll tell us all about it. But um, we're kind of, we're just going to kind of see where the the conversation leads us, I guess, today. And uh Compare some notes and uh, stories, I'm sure, and, you know, from our, our usual multi-potentialite uh, perspective. Now, Matt, uh, you joined the Putty Tribe, I think, in September of 2019, is that right? Yeah, September 2019, yep. What brought you to the group? How did you find the Putty Tribe? I found the Putty Tribe because I'd been having a uh, a an ongoing crisis in terms of, like, what I was going to do career-wise and, and, and with my time and what kind of contribution I wanted to make and all that sort of thing. And every time I, every time I picked something and, and was like, right, I'm going to specialize in this and get right into it, I would really quickly get to this point where I was like, if I have to do this every day, all the time, mm-hmm. it's going to drive me completely crazy. And I don't know what's wrong with me. Like all these other people seem to be able to do it. And it's kind of, you know, in my head, it's like, it's pretty simple. This is what people do. They pick something and they stick at it. Yeah. You know, there'd been lots of books too about um, like that Malcolm Gladwell one that is Outliers where he talked about the 10,000 hours and all that sort of stuff. So I was kind of, kind of hurting, I guess, trying to work this out. And and so I started looking around for like, and, and somehow, you know, I'm sure this is a pretty common putty tribe story, but yeah, stumbled upon Emily's TED talk. You know, there was no tears or anything, but I was like, oh my goodness, this is a thing. Like, this is me. It's okay. Yeah. Like, the, and, and, and when she talked about a lot of the, the benefits of being a multi-potentialite, like the, the adaptability and the seeing connections between things and all, and all of that and how a lot of that's needed today with lots of the kind of, changes that are happening and the messes that we've made and all that sort of thing. I was like, okay, yep. So I followed along for a bit and then eventually I was like, yep, I'm going to jump in, join the putty tribe. It's been fantastic. Nice. Yeah. It's a, I've heard certainly a few stories about that. It, so much of it revolves back to the Ted talk that she made and, uh, people having that kind of light bulb moment that, uh, you know, yeah. this thing exists, that there's other people like us, and there's actually a whole community for us, and, and here we are. Now, your day job, technically, is uh, as a teacher, right? You've been an educator for a while? Yeah, I've been an educator for more than 10 years. I've done a couple of other things as well, but uh, at the moment, I'm a, a casual teacher, which means I'm attached to one school, basically. It's a big, big school, kind of just out of the city. And there's about 900, 900 students. And so they need people. There's teachers doing professional development and teachers get sick and all that sort of thing. So I, I just rock in every day and uh, see what needs to be done. Yeah, exactly. I'm the person that's really flexible and adaptable. They just put me where where's needed. So is that something you do by choice or would you rather have a, a steady thing? I can imagine, I would guess as a multi-potentialite, you're probably happy to have the variety. <laughs> I do. I love having the variety. I've actually tried being on class a couple of times and I, I go a bit crazy and I can't, I stop enjoying it really, really suddenly, really, really quickly. Sorry. After um, even a few weeks, a couple of times they've asked me to be on a class for a couple of weeks when there's been some kind of emergency or something. Yeah. And I've been happy to do that, but yeah, much prefer the variety. Is it a question of um, maybe commitment as much as anything? Like, are you someone who's 
who's had uh, who, who struggles with making long term commitments. At least the the concept of it is it intimidating? Well, I think it's a, it's a little bit intimidating, and at the same time, I see like there's a richness sometimes to deeper commitments. So because it kind of tight, it kind of anchors you to a anchors you to a place or anchors you to a bunch of people or something. Mm-hmm. I I don't take commitments easily, <laughs> but I'm not sure if that answers the question, but yeah. <laughs> well, it's a complicated <laughs> one for sure, because, uh, you know, I, I think we all struggle with that. We like, we like to make commitments, but one thing I, I off, I've always asked myself basically in, in doing things, whether it's just getting involved, volunteer stuff or thinking about jobs, et cetera, is like, how am I going to get out of it? And I try to look at it as like <laughs> in a positive way. Like I don't want to be in a position where I'm desperate to get out of it, but I ask myself, like, you know, how is this going to end? I know I'm going to get probably tired of it, or at least ready for some kind of change, whatever it may be. And you know, how difficult will it be to make a change? Whether it's you know, it could be two years or five years in the future, kind of thing. But um, it's I I don't know. It's a tricky thing. It's a bit of a fear of of commitment, maybe, or just um, not wanting to get yourself kind of wrapped into something too deep perhaps i think my way around it actually is <laughs> i have this way of communicating i, I try and lower people's expectations <laughs> when we when we start you know so like you know with the school i've been really clear about what i can and can't do and i've you know most people there are dreaming about getting a full-time job and i'm really yeah, clear the with thing. them about i'm really really not dreaming about getting a full-time job there don't consider me for it yeah so you're like the outlier. I guess it comes back to the book there. You're, you're like the outlier. And they're <laughs> like, well, they're probably like, what's wrong with you? Why don't you want the steady, consistent thing? It's, 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 it's uh, reliable. It's predictable, right? But we thrive off the alternative. Yeah. I have that conversation pretty regularly at school and in other settings too. People kind of just can't get why you would do that. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Now this comes back to a much deeper, more profound provocative question which is the one thing that once you have them there i mean uh, unless tragedy happens but let's not think about that uh once you have them they're going to be part of your life forever and that's having your kids and for me you know it was a huge huge kind of psychological i guess hoop to jump through i don't know when it's like i mean we wanted to have kids and it came to a point when we were kind of in our mid thirties, basically my wife was almost 30, but you know, now's the time if we're going to have kids, well, let's do it. We don't want to be having kids in our forties kind of thing. So now's the time. And then it happens and you realize like, this is a commitment that you're never going to get out of. Not that I want to. And that's the tricky thing. Cause you don't want to make it seem like, well, today I don't feel like having kids, but you know, it's just the profoundness of you're, you have these kids and they're going to be with you forever. It's a wonderful thing, but it's kind of an intimidating thing too. So how do you feel about that? It is. It's one of those things. It's it's quite big because, you know, you tie yourself and, and kind of anchor yourself to this very dynamic little human. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to be expected of you. and But you know you're going to say yes. So it's, it's a, yeah, <laughs> it's hard. It's, it's really hard sometimes to get your, get your head around it. And, and, uh, and at the same time completely wonderful and there are times where it feels really big 
my wife and I often wake up in the morning. We're like, oh, where's the where's the butler? <laughs> Are they late today? You know, yeah. like, did we forget to pay them or something? Because we just like, <laughs> can we just sleep in, please? Yeah. Um, huh. Well, tell us a bit about yours. So you've got two kids, a son and a daughter, right? Yeah, I've got two kids. So I've got Harry, who's eight, um, and I've got Matilda, who's three. Harry's from a previous marriage, so mm-hmm. he he is only with us um, sometimes. Uh, it's pretty it's pretty regular though, so we've got a good deal sort of thing. He's just been with us for a week, and um, and he's with us again soon. And Matilda's three; she's pretty delightful. She's got super curly hair, so yeah. Well, I guess one question that comes to mind is like, do you feel, in your experience, and it's interesting because you've got a, your daughter's fairly young, but um, you know your son being um, that little bit older where I guess he's starting to become more aware of himself in the world and maybe some of his interests and things. Do you think people are born as multi-potentialites or a different term if we like, but are we are we kind of born this way or is it something that depends on our environment and how we are raised and the things we're exposed to? I always like the uh, going thirds. So, you know, one third is uh, what you're born with, one third how you're brought up and then one third's maybe just your choice. <laughs> but I think uh, I mean, my son, I've noticed, I've noticed a few things and I think, yeah, he's a, he's a bit like me. You know, he's a, he loves learning about new things. He sees a lot of the connections between things. Um, and I don't want to kind of go, oh yeah, he's, he's a, definitely a multi-potentialite, but, but I can see that kind of thing. He gets, he gets bored with stuff as well pretty quickly. And if he, he can't see the reason for doing something at school, he doesn't like doing it, <laughs> um, which was a bit like me too. So I think I think it's a mix. Definitely, if you're in a really stifling environment, I mean, I work I work with a lot of kids who grow up in homes where there's not a lot of understanding of um, how we feel about things. There's not a lot of books being read. There's not a lot of other activities other than just TV and games and whatever. And I think, yeah, it does have an impact on what they believe's kind of possible and doable and all that sort of thing. I mean, that's interesting for you too, because not just with your own kids, obviously the more intimate exposure, but as a teacher, so you see kids all the time and elementary, basically around that same age, like I guess maybe eight to 10 years old kind of thing. So do you see it kind of blossoming in some of the kids that you see in your day to day? Yeah. And I think there's, there's kind of two kinds, like there's the traditionally kind of really gifted kids that are doing a lot of stuff and they're achieving a lot of stuff and their parents are kind of pushing them along and, and they're, they're really visible. They get the awards, they do the performances and all that sort of thing. And then, and some of them are really genuinely great at, at a lot of things. And then there's another kind of kid who, you know, isn't really traditionally gifted or getting the recognition but then you see them when they are approaching a task with a group or something like that and you see how they adapt and you see how they work with the people that they've been put in a group with and how they work with the technology they've been given and how they try and like push ideas a bit further than even the brief they've been given. And I, I, I really enjoy finding those kids too and kind of just, just naming it and saying, hey, I really, you know, I really enjoyed you watching you work with the group today. It was great to see how you took it in this direction and that direction, how you involved this person and that person. and You do see it, yeah. What's your view on, as a parent, pushing or maybe encouraging, but uh, your kids <laughs> to take on a certain um, activity and then their response to that? Because, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, like, 
kids, uh, we, I feel, well, again, our kids are just, especially our daughter, so she's uh, four, and she's just getting to that age where, okay, maybe we start to really think about sports and camps and maybe music or other kinds of activities, right, that she can get involved in. And I'm sure we'll start getting into that more in the next year or two. And her brother's too, so he's a little bit further behind. But for sure, he'll catch up to that. And so it's like, at what point, you know, do we encourage them and then are responsive to their response to it? So maybe they really like a thing. And of course, often you get the stories of the kids, well, they tried, they took their piano lessons or whatever, and then they hated it. And then the parents kind of pushed them, well, you got to keep going, right? You got to keep going. How would a multi-potentialite respond because we change our mind all the time and <laughs> we love trying different <laughs> things right but i guess finding that balance as a young kid who you know probably should give it a proper effort but at the same time maybe there's a point where they've tried a thing they've had enough or they want to try something else right so what's your view on how far we should push our kids to try something one thing that i that i kind of i guess don't agree with or isn't for me is something like a there's a few families at our at our school that like really push their kids. Like a few kids that, you know, they don't go to bed until after most adults because their day is just jam-packed with tutoring and music lessons and this, that, and the other. And then you ask them how they feel about it and often they really they really hate it. <laughs> they, they're not enjoying it, you know, and they're just like, I remember doing an activity actually it was sort of the end of the year because our, our year, uh, our school year ends in, in December, just before Christmas. So it was the end of the year and I had a class and we were doing an activity on like, you know, what you want for Christmas or something like that. We we're writing a letter to someone or something. And one of the girls asked for just one day where she didn't have to do like music lessons and tutoring. <laughs> I was like, yeah. okay, that's, that's not for me, you know. But the other end of the is, you know, not giving your kids the opportunities I think that parents are kind of like detectives, like they've got to just try things out with their kids and try and listen in and discern what is it that makes my kid particularly come alive? What is it that fills their eyes with delight and makes them the thing that they can't shut up about and the thing that, yeah, seem to lose themselves in a bit. So watching for that is important. At the same time, you know, like my parents never pushed me in music or anything. And, you know, I remember having a moment when I was like 19 or something and I had all these friends that were amazing musicians and just being a bit miffed. It was like, (laughs) come on, what happened, mum and dad? Like, like, look at these guys. It's amazing what they can do. Why didn't you push me? But, uh, yes. Well, is there something you remember from being a kid, again, let's say 8, 10, maybe 12 years old, that you were really into, really passionate about, that's stuck with you all this time? Um, I, I really enjoyed sport when I was younger and moving and team sports. Like I played soccer or football, but I think what I enjoyed about it was the thinking strategically about it. That kind of lit me up was watching the game unfold and all that sort of thing. So that's kind of stuck with me a bit. I really enjoy any kind of adventure. Like mom and dad used to let me kind of venture out to beaches and to the city and all that sort of thing when I was pretty young. And that's always stuck with me as something like that I really need, that I love, that really brings me alive as well. My parents were amazing, actually. They kind of they let me leave home when I was 15 and go live out in the bush for a year. Okay. Um, <laughs> So yeah, which was amazing. They could kind of see I wasn't enjoying school and they were like, it's not normal to be stressed when you're 15. Go do something different for a while. So they they sent me out of this place where there was a, a massive farm and a few people that I could live with. And so I was out there for a year. And that kind of adventure, like having to cook all of a sudden for like 20 people 
and having to do all my own washing and take care of myself and all that that was amazing and and I always think about that with my own parenting like my parents were clever to listen enough to go hey I think Matt needs something different yeah that's bold that's courageous yeah and I and I almost didn't come back home like I I stayed away for three years and almost went to university in a completely different place and it was only kind of a fluke that I ended up back in Sydney doing university so yeah it was really courageous of them yeah, that's impressive. That's that's a life-changing uh, turn right there. Yeah, it absolutely was. It absolutely was, yeah. Wow. How do you find balance in your parenting? I mean, I guess maybe especially with your daughter, if she's there with you full-time, but you know, how do you find the balance between pursuing your interests and kind of having time <laughs> for yourself and you know, your hobbies and all the rest and obviously being present for your, your daughter, not to mention your wife, of course, too, but if yeah, you yeah. focus on the parenting, <laughs> at least for this episode. <laughs> but how do you find that balance in time and just satisfying your own uh, needs and your own curiosities? The way I frame it is I say that I live out of balance. <laughs> so I yeah. I tend to have these times where I'm, like the last couple of weeks around around Christmas was all family stuff. I got a few chances at my, you know, my wife's parents' place to do a little bit of work and to do my own thing. But really, it's just been family stuff the last few weeks. And then this week, I've got four days to myself, which is amazing. It's a bit of a, it doesn't happen very often. So no, no. as a parent, that's just golden. <laughs> young, young kids, kind of incredible. <laughs> yeah. So school's on holidays at the moment. And yeah, my wife's at work. My daughter's at her family daycare. So these are the times you know, I can really fill myself back up. Hmm. I've tried to kind of spread it out more so that, you know, I've tried getting up really early to fit time in to do work in the mornings or do my own thing in the mornings. And I find it's amazing until about like five in the afternoon when I feel like a really, I don't feel like being a good parent anymore. (laughs) My daughter wants to play and I just want to nap, you know, like I haven't finished experimenting with that. I'd still like to have a, a really solid morning routine, but I think the way I work around it is, yeah, I'm okay with living a bit out of balance. Yeah, that's an interesting way to put it. So many people focus on balance, including myself. I usually, I like to think of things that way, but it, it's interesting, a different perspective to think of being out of balance, but yet it being a healthy thing, right? An, an intentional thing. Yeah, I, I read it in a book somewhere and I thought, yeah, that idea makes sense to me. You know, like at the moment, because I'm working on a bunch of things, I'm actually not feeling like I need to sleep as much because I'm actually really excited. I'm doing a whole bunch of things and I've got a week of holidays coming up as well. Um, So I I know I can really push myself this week, but if I tried to do this all the time, it would be a disaster. There's definitely been times where I've resented the time demands of the kids. I realized that what I was saying to myself was, you know, I should be able to do an hour and a half's work every day on, on my projects or something. And it's not happening and I, and getting really frustrated and kind of resenting that I had to use my time for these just endless piles of dishes and all this stuff that you just, you kind of sometimes don't know what it is that you do, but. It, oh yeah. Time just sucks. Yeah, like, it just, time just fades away. Right now we're doing potty training for our sonies too. <laughs> And uh, boys are a lot different from girls. <laughs> sure. For obvious reasons. But, you know, <laughs> he just hops up and down all the time. And, like, <laughs> you, can't, you can't leave him to just kind of sit there for 20 minutes and figure it out because, like, he'll just keep hopping up and down, right? And that's a type of parenting task that's full on. Like, you know, sometimes, okay, maybe I can be reading a book or do something 
while and the kids would be playing and stuff like that, as you do, as you do as a parent, and certainly, especially as a multi-potentialite, you know, there's so much that you want to do, and you keep your brain active, and yeah. you try to find that that balance again. But I mean, you know, for sure, there's times you're there, you're, you're, you're playing with your kids, you're talking to your kids, but those are times that they can do their thing, and they're playing, and you can do yours. But stuff like this, these tasks, you know, it can just... Uh, I can see how feelings of resentment and and frustration can build up pretty quickly. So, it's a it's a it's a challenge to us as multi potentialites, especially to let go. I think of a lot of those expectations, at least in the young days. Now, here's another interesting question for you: because um, why do you think multipods make great parents? I do. I do think multipods make great parents, and I think. One thing is that uh, they're really adaptable usually and kids are really unpredictable. I know for me, when the kids kind of are doing something that you you don't expect or which just happens all the time, I'm able to go, oh, well, yep, this is what's happening now. Now, how do we work it out? You know, so I, I don't kind of feel fixed. I, I think multipods are, yeah, they're really good at adapting. And and also learning new things. My son's had a few things that I've had to kind of read some books about and learn some extra things about. And that's been good because, you know, as in multipod, you kind of got that brain that just seeks out the information and just finds what's important and, and he's able to learn it pretty fast. And I also think it's great for kids to see their parents being really alive and enjoying a variety of things. Yeah. I think it's really important. I think a lot of parents kind of write themselves off and don't do much for themselves. Yeah, that's just it. Because they're focused on the kids. But I think it's not great for the kids, you know, to see that. Yeah, I, I know for me, if I'm not getting some of the things I need and if I'm not learning some new things and exploring new topics and working on side projects and all of that, I'm not as good to be around. I'm not as I'm not as quality as a husband, as a parent. And the kids will pick up on that. Absolutely. They yeah. they know. They know that I don't want to be there. They can feel it. So it's important to try and work that stuff out. Sure. Okay. Well, what if we bring it back to you and thinking about, I mean, your professional future, do you see yourself as an educator for, I guess, the rest of your kind of career or working life? No, I don't. Not as a, not as an educator in, in schools. I think a big part of me is wired to teach. It's what I've had a lot of experience in. And it's just kind of how I'm, a bit how I'm wired. So I think I'll be educating in some form or another, but um, yeah, really hoping to find another way of making money soon. There's a couple of things going on for me. So um, one is trying to start a business that creates services and products and stuff for dads who are making that transition through separation and divorce, particularly dads with young kids. I'm working on that at the moment. And the other thing is um, I've become really interested in something called Airtable. I guess the best way to describe it is like, it's like a spreadsheet and a database, but in 3D. And it's oh. sort of like Play-Doh or Lego. You can kind of manipulate things really easily. So I've looked into, uh, to been doing some Airtable courses and, and trying to learn some coding and some other things because I, oh. I wouldn't mind doing some work in that. I really, I really enjoy complex problems. I would love to be the kind of person that can kind of help businesses out to solve their problems, upgrade the way they do things, work on their marketing. Airtable is really good for automation and some things like that. So I'm exploring what to do in that area as well. Cool. I'll have to look into that. We'll put a link in our show notes if anyone's curious about it. I imagine there's a website or two that explains it. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. They're stacks. So it's really good fun. I was never into Excel, never into spreadsheets before, but Airtable is amazing. (laughs) Okay, interesting. Really enjoying it. (laughs) Well, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show here. Uh, We chatted about it a couple of weeks ago and uh, about getting on, and and now here you are. As I say, it's a, a great pleasure of doing this show to get to know people in the Putty Tribe from all around the world and and some of their uh, their backstory. So as much as anything, that's what we're here for. And also uh, getting into interesting topics like this. We, we talked about parenting once before on the show with DB uh, back in 2018 in our first year. But, uh, you know, we can certainly revisit it in many different ways and for many different people. So it's been great to get uh, to get your perspective. I'm always fascinated just... You know, to think you're way over there in Australia and I'm here in Canada and we speak the same language language, and, uh, I mean, essentially the same kind of culture and stuff. And, and it's like it should be so disparate and yet we do have a, a lot of tangible things in common. It's it's always fascinating to me. Yeah, it is amazing. It's really it's really great to connect with, with you and people like you and just to realize it's really encouraging, actually. That's been a big thing in the Putty Tribe for me is just the encouragement and the confidence that comes out of connecting with others who are going through the same sorts of things, thinking about the same sorts of things. Yeah, it's been great. I, I wouldn't mind giving a shout out to, you know, I saw in the newsletter that Heather puts out just recently, the accountability buddy matching thing is coming up soon. And I was part of that. I jumped on pretty quickly. And uh, so I've got an accountability buddy and it's been fantastic, actually. It's really good to have someone that I know has an eye on me and we've been able to kind of keep okay. each other accountable for a few things. How does it work for you guys? Do you meet uh, up like every week or something? Well, it's been a bit of a mix, but we we mostly write. We've met up on Zoom once just to get to know each other a bit better, but we yeah, we mostly write and we have a bunch of questions that we that we answer for each other like how are you taking care of yourself? How's how did you go with your goals from last week? All that sort of thing. And we aim to do it weekly, but you know, we've both been pretty flat out at times. And that was part of, you know, when I filled in my form for the accountability buddy thing, I said, you know, I need someone who understands that I've got young kids and that I won't always be, (laughs) that I can't be on demand and all that sort of thing. So um, it's been really great to have an accountability buddy who who gets all that. I'd encourage any party people out there thinking about that to, to dive in and do it. It's great. Yeah, that's a good recommendation. Maybe we'll uh, do a future episode uh, devoted to accountability and especially experience in this kind of pseudo program that we set up here in the Putty Tribe. I I think it's been a good success so far. Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, it's been great talking to you and um, we'll keep in touch for sure. We'll hopefully have you back on the show again at some point. I feel we should touch quickly on your situation. Now, uh, Matt's uh, in Australia and this is in early 2020. And of course, I had to ask him, well, um, how close is he to the bushfires there? And uh, he said, well, he's in the city in Sydney and, and I think yourself, you're fairly far removed from it. But it's one of those things I'm sure most people know someone or, you know, have contacts that are touched by it so what's it like for you right now it's actually been um it's been quite overwhelming actually so a a big part of the um, fires that happened on new year's eve were at a place that's really precious to me um in the south coast it's where I, i spent a lot of time in my childhood we're at we're actually due to go down there on the 12th of january um, for a holiday and I saw some footage today from the street next to the street where we would be staying and it was just all these houses burnt down so um, and we we know a lot of people who've been stuck in places with no phone reception no power not enough food and all that sort of thing so it's actually my three-year-old 
the other day, you know, she was just walking out of the room and she was like, stay safe in the bushfires. So, wow. you know, and, and my son as well, it's, it's affected him. He's been asking about it and concerned about, you know, running out of water and all these sorts of things. So it's been a really heavy time, yeah. um, a heavy time here. I guess one of the good things about it is a lot more people are talking about climate change here now and a lot of people who who weren't talking about it before. So so that's been, I guess, a worthwhile conversation that, that's coming out of it. But It's such a vivid thing to, I can only imagine, of course, to uh, to be in the midst of it and you really think about the tangible things in life, your water and your food, electricity and um, even if you're not, you know, directly like facing it, but, um, you hear lots of stories and you see, and you smell the smoke and like, it's right there in your face. It's, uh, it's incredibly vivid. I'm sure to be living through it. I mean, we can only hope it doesn't last too much longer, but yeah, it's quite, it's quite scary. I mean, February is usually when we have the hot weather, so it hasn't even, yeah, the, the hottest bits haven't started yet. So, um, yeah. And we've had a lot of smoke here. I mean, there's a lot of days we haven't gone to the park with the kids because it's been too smoky. A lot of days at school we had to stay inside. It's been it's been very heavy. I was I, I wanted to ask you about it because you know it's it's such a it, it's such a poignant thing that's happening. It's in the news, and I mean here again, I'm on the other side of the world, but we hear about it all the time. It's in the news, so people mm. are certainly thinking about about it and about you and Australia, and uh, and uh, we hope it turns out okay, but. Um, in the meantime, as I say, we'll keep in touch and uh, and we'll follow the news. and And it's been it's been a real pleasure getting to know you better and and chatting here today. Thanks, Ted. It's been great. Before we go, our putty peep of the week this week is Miriam from Traverse City, Michigan, the United States. She is currently into. Identity Outside of Occupation, Rural Life, and a New Phoenix Phase. Miriam has also lived in uh, New York and Florida, besides uh, Michigan. Her current learning goals, deciding whether to pursue a data science master's, pick up project management certifications, reboot her jewelry studio, or of course some combination of the above. And some of her many other interests, passions, and skills include, uh, well, within jewelry making itself, metal smithing, casting, lapidary, and 3D printing, ethical investing, public health and medicine, medicinal herbalism, interior design and architecture, ecology, alternative energy, self-sufficiency, urbanism, uh, sustainable development, cryptography and cryptocurrencies, economics, agriculture, and rural development, and she says, well, probably a few other things I can't think of right now. <laughs> so if any of that jumps out for you, feel free to send Miriam a message. She is another pretty new member of the Putty Tribe, just joined at the beginning of December of 2019, so just over a month ago. And lastly, I'll leave you with this, with uh, Miriam. Now, when she joined the Putty Tribe, she made a great introductory post talking a bit about her quote-unquote careers. And I think it'll give a bit of... Um, you know, inspiration and kind of uh, something to relate to for those of you who are, well, let's say a little past middle age, because Miriam says she's 55 now, and some of the wage-earning activities she's had in her life that lasted at least a year, orchardist, engineering research technician, a stagehand, a technical writer, a paralegal, 
analytical chemist, industrial hygienist, jeweler and lapidary artist, a pastry cook, computer technician and system administrator, a network integration engineer, and a project manager. Normally, she says she's got a a bachelor's degree in biochemistry, a master's in public health, but, um, you know, she's picked up all kinds of other certifications and stuff along the way. And, I mean, just in that brief post, and there's a few other things she talks about, but it just makes you so curious about, you know, more of the details and the stories and the kind of life that she's had, you know, moving from all those different, uh, between all those different careers. And as all of us know, I mean, to talk about, to give a list like that to generally the people we meet and we know in life, you kind of be, well, a little embarrassed, well, I did this and this and this, and they would say, but you've done so many jobs, why didn't you just stick to one? How did you change so many times? And, you know, why couldn't you just choose something? Hey, well, for all of us multi-potentialites, we get it. This is like, it's like the dream life there to be able to have tried all those different things that like Miriam has done. And I mean, I guess been able to make a living at it, right? And, uh, and had a, an interesting, fascinating life. So as always, you, hopefully we'll get the chance to chat with her some more on, on the show here and get to fill in some of those gaps. But I wanted to leave that with you as just a source of, of inspiration for for all those moments, you know, when you're thinking about, well, am I changing too much? Can I not make up my mind? Or am I, you know, you face the pushback from, I guess, society and, and uh, community. And Well, Miriam, as with so many of us, shows that it's possible and it, it's really something to embrace and be proud of trying these different things and, and making it work. So that's great. So that's Miriam. She's our putty peep of the week this week. And uh, I'm going to leave it there. We'll be back here in a couple of weeks with our big anniversary episode, which will be episode number 50 of the multipod and uh, also basically our second anniversary here we started the show just about two years ago in early january of 2018 and here we are already two years later so stay tuned for that Uh, we've got some ideas kicking around and and we'll make it kind of uh, extra special for you we hope you tune in and thanks very much for joining us again here today feel free to leave any comments feedback on the forum and as always you can send us an email to the show if you like at the multipodcast at gmail.com. So again, my name is Ted. Thanks as always for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon.